0: I look at the clock, and um, I've got a magnet on my hand that I can make the clock handle stop. Uh, So, thank you again for having me, and I would have preferred to hear somebody else preach. Um, There was a time in my life that I decided to take record my sermon, and I took it home to, to listen to it. And... I could not believe that that's what people listen to. <laughs> uh, it was, it sounded as if I was arguing, quarreling. Um, it, we didn't have videotapes in those days, so um, it would have been interesting to see how I looked at the people. And I started to make a conscious effort, it's not too easy, but to try. The song, so that when I listen to myself um, I could actually uh, feel kind of good that I could listen to myself. Uh, but sometimes we, we preachers, and we particularly have uh, something we feel that uh, we need to say, uh, then it shows on our faces and, and our faces drive off some people. Father bless your word And I ask you to help me As I share these thoughts uh, To challenge your people And to help us To prepare ourselves better For the coming kingdom Of our Lord Jesus Christ We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Amen I Decided to do something a little different And just to finish off Uh, tomorrow night the challenge started last night about the surrendered life Um, some years ago I went through the book of Joshua and noticed in it some things that um, made my especially singing theology uh, something was wrong with it because a lot of our songs about Canaan uh, it was about heaven, and how wonderful Canaan is, and all the uh, joy and milk and honey and whatever else. I was in Canaan. And when I read the book of Joshua, studying the book of Joshua, I saw the book, the land of Canaan was actually full of giants. There was a lot of fighting there, a lot of conflict, and I started wondering, there's something else? And um, I took the view, and in a lot to measure still. I take, took the view that the, the land of Canaan and book of Joshua was a book that taught us the victorious Christian life, victorious Christian living. That we're living in a, a world, but that this world can be Canaan to us as we imagine Canaan is, but in our living. Um, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, overcome this world you'll have peace Um, people talk about miracles and we talk about what's the greatest miracle we would think that if you can raise somebody from the dead that that would be the greatest miracle I think if you go in the miracles of the Lord Jesus and then when you look at what the Lord said about raising uh, the Lord Jesus from the dead in the book of Ephesians, that seemed to be his crowning power. Uh, And then when I think of the resurrection of the dead, it is uh, super-cara-fragilisticexpialidocious that uh, people get buried in the same grave over and over and over, people's dust scattered all about the place. And then all the dirt is mixed up with all the dust that uh, people get burnt, whatever, however they are, they put they're put under uh, tombstones and covered down. And uh, somehow, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to be able to take all our dust. Suppose we were um, buried in the same, ma- their, their mass graves, and all that the mass graves are years there, and all dust now. And God, in the moment of in the eye, is going to be able to take all that dust that belonged to you and me and wherever, and put them together in that very moment. And all of us will be raised together. And I'm not going to have one speck of your dirt on me, and you're not going to have one speck of my dirt on you. And a glorified body. And to me, that's going to be the greatest of all the miracles. And I use the word miracles, and I'm careful of that because I don't believe God does miracles. That sounds strange. The Bible usually uses the word says miracles with signs. And you know who does miracles? We human beings. God just does natural things. That's God's great power. He don't... God... I mean, to us, it's supernatural, but to God, it's normal. So He doesn't really do miracles to us. There are miracles because we can't do them. And so... Um, the book of Joshua I saw as a, a victorious Christian life and this is what i was going to say is this the greatest miracles to me that takes place takes place in our daily Christian lives when we consider who we are what is man that thou art mindful of him thou was made a little lower than the angels I don't know how much that little is says a little lower but knowing what the Bible says about angels and about us um, you could determine lower it is but we are weak beings Uh, we are frail people we have sin in our lives we have the sinful nature and we say there's a there's a world there's the devil there's the flesh And they are us who try to get each other down sometimes. And that God is able, and I think he used the book of Job to prove that to us, or or prove that to the devil. That I'm going to make somebody that's lower than you, less powerful than you, weaker in all ways than you, and he's going to defeat you. And that the, the weakest Christian, the smallest child, is able to take the arch enemy of the soul, one that we would think apart from God, where there's power, possibly the greatest power that there, is, that there would be. We say he is powerful, but not all powerful. And the things he can do, we can't even imagine yet what he can do. And that God is able to help us. Here's the world that's against us. You're sick in body. you have great troubles. and yet the devil will come to you with the greatest or hardest of temptations and you're able to defeat the devil. Human being, flesh, weak, that is day by day the greatest miracles that takes place in our lives. Now we just treat them slightly. If a man gets his hand withered, hand put on, we think, boy, that's a great miracle. And it is. But the greatest of miracles is when you and I, in this flesh of ours, with all the negative circumstances around us, and we can live a victorious life. That's miracle. That's the power of God in us. The book of Joshua teaches us some things about the victorious Christian life. You know the story of Joshua, how he went into the land after Moses died, and God told um, Joshua, gave him some promises about the the land. And uh, then they went in spite of Jericho, and then afterwards they came back. Joshua told them to sanctify themselves in chapter 3 You have not passed this way heretofore, therefore sanctify yourselves. And after that, they got together, and the battle started. well they went across the river Jordan uh, on dry land they put up the stones and then the, uh, the people around the nations around heard how God had brought them around across the Jordan and that, that time the Jordan the Bible tells us was overflowing its banks and they walked across the Jordan and they set up these stones and then uh, the battle started with Jericho and how God caused the walls to fall inside rather than outside. Um, then they moved on and after that they went to AI. And you know the little problem they had with AI. Because it felt, well, it was just cool walking around Jericho. I mean, big Jericho, we could defeat that. Uh, we could defeat AI without any problems. And you know, they did not consult God and their little AI defeated them. And then afterwards, uh, the great ambush story uh, that even... Uh, Moshe Dayan, the great Israel um, leader, used in the Arab wars in the ambush way of and defeated Egypt and the others. Uh, Then afterwards, with all the other the Amorites and all the others that they had to defeat. Want to make a a a big jump so that we would uh, finish at the lunch time somebody told me just now, please keep me awake. <laughs> and I said to them, you know the only way I find people keep awake when you're preaching is start to preach heresy. <laughs> so they want to pick your, bone, pick your part afterwards. So, uh, sorry, not going to do that, but <laughs> you might think so. But afterwards, from chapter 13, oh, let me jump there. We find that Joshua is starting to tell them some things about the land. Turn to Joshua chapter 13, and we will not. I'm going to pick out some things from the rest of the chapters as we go along concerning possession. Now, there's a lot of debate within the kingdom circles as to inheritance. What is inheritance? What is possession? Uh, are there going to be some people who will enjoy the kingdom more than others? And will they just those who will enter and just be regular people there while there will be others who will enjoy a greater status of life or position? Uh, I heard somebody preach some time ago and said, well, some people might end up just sweeping the streets. Uh, really um, sweepers of streets in Jerusalem in, in, in the kingdom to come. Um, I would say if that's true, that's better than being in outer darkness. Um, but there's got lots of debates as to whether there is a difference of us when we will be there in, in the land. I want to see if this can help us in some ways to decide what it means. Um, Joshua, as they defeated the enemies, and then they came down together, started to talk, they started to divide up the land and so on. Well, I want to show you first of all that possessing the land, there are some principles of possessing. Now I want to link that also to our Christian life, our victorious Christian life. But to make it a big uh, leap forward into the kingdom. The principles of possessing. Now there's inheritance. All God's children potentially. There's inheritance for them. But God does not just take it out of his pocket. And give it to them. Now God helps them to get that inheritance. To possess the inheritance. But there's some things that we must do. For us to be able to actually possess and to enjoy the inheritance. There are lots of people who have an inheritance that they don't enjoy. We must learn to enjoy our inheritance. And so, uh, possessing the land, uh, the principles of possessing, has to do first of all with God's providence. Chapter 13 and verse 6 of uh, Joshua it tells us there and um, well verse 13 says now Joshua was old and stricken in years and the Lord said unto him thou art old and stricken in years and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed I thought about myself when years ago I read that and I I wrote in, in a little margin in my Bible the words of the Apostle Paul forgetting those things that are behind And continue to move on. Press toward the mark. Regardless what age you are. How old you are. It means that you still have land. To possess. It would be a good experience. To be like that of the Apostle Paul. And I've asked the Lord to give me that. That when I come to the end of my life. I will know that it is the end. Of God's life. God's time for me. Ministry wise. And it was not until 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul was able to say, I am ready to be offered up. I've finished my course. And that's the time you can lie down, fold your arms and say, I'm ready, Lord. Until then, there's land to possess. Until you can say, like the Apostle Paul, I've finished my course and you know that I'm ready to be offered up. Friends, there's land to possess. I hold a theory and I call it a theory that one reason that many of us are not yet dead are still alive and we're past 70 a couple reasons one that they're lacking workers and God keeps us on to fill the gap because the younger one's not coming forward another reason is that There are times he needs all the heads around to give wisdom, pass on wisdom to the younger ones. But sometimes it is this, that there's still some sins in our lives that God wants us to get rid of. And God does not want any of us to come to him with sin in our lives. And it is his mercy for some of us that we are not yet dead left the scene because God knows and he wants us to clean ourselves out and there's some things that's still there when you keep this thought because I'm not sure I will get to it but the story of the rich young ruler one particular part of that that catches my attention is when the Lord says one thing lackest thou what one thing do I lack? one thing and when you read his story, I mean, the man, the Lord doesn't rebuke him and said, Lord, I've kept all of these from my youth up. Huh? And the Lord didn't say, ah, you're telling lies, you don't know, you can't remember when you did this and so on. And then the Lord told him, all right, go sell all the, that thou hast and give to the poor and come follow me. And that one thing thou lackest, that, that statement catches my attention and I think of it in my life. Lord, what one thing in my life I lack. you know it is easier for us to see something that is wrong in persons than for us to see in ourselves? And sometimes, and I've discussed this with some, some of the others, the younger ones and so on, uh, other preachers, and said this. There are some things that are blatantly wrong in some people's lives. You know it is wrong. And they can't see, apparently they can't see it is wrong. They just live it as normal and um, they seem to act as if that is a good thing. But to me or to others, they could act that way or say that or do that. And they can't see it. And there are okay people. Not that they're backslidden, and worldly people. They're serving the Lord. And then I have to say, but you know, I wonder what is in my life that people are seeing. and say, but how could pass? How could Carl act like that? And he cannot see that that wrong. So I have to pray this, Lord, please show me that one thing in my life that would stop me, because that's what's gonna stop this young rich this young, this rich young ruler from the inheritance. That one thing what it is that can be that hindrance. but God wants us to possess the land and to enjoy the land and so God does things for us and so he puts things in order in chapter 13 and he talks about the lots and for them to get the land and God in his providence Uh, helps them to decide where to put Joseph and where to put uh, all the others on this side of the land and on that side of the land. So there's God's providence in it. I know you know that so we will skip that one. The second aspect of possessing the land is found in chapter 14 and verse 6 onward. It tells us there, then the children of Israel came, uh, of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I... Holy followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, and as yet I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. I've always prayed and asked the Lord I wish I could let Caleb in the strength that is but 40 years uh, he said when he was 40 years the land was that part was promised to him. And Caleb did not forget that. He had faith and he went on and he fought all the other battles that he had to fight and was involved in. But he possessed that by faith. God promised promised it to him and he looked forward to it. He waited for it. Now faith has a period of waiting. And that's what tests our faith. And so one principle of possessing the land and enjoying the land is by faith. We're not going to have a discourse on faith, but remember this, without faith, It is impossible to please God. And what's not done in faith, the Bible says, is sin. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, if there's one part of us that must be exercised, that we must grow in, that it must be more and more in our lives, is that of faith. And that comes by the Word of God. That helps us to wait. Forty-five years he waited. Waited for that man. But he did not give up. And he did all that he had to do with all the other battles. But by faith he took that land. It was his. And he went on. Then another principle is by request. Chapter 15. Verses 16 and 19 and I'm glad this story is in here for you ladies because usually uh, some of these things always have a, a male counterpart to his just male but these girls uh-uh. it says there in verse uh, 15, uh, 16 of chapter 15 and Caleb uh, sorry yeah. and Caleb said he that might have courage of a uh, shepherd and take of it uh, to him will I give a, a hash my daughter to wife And Othniel the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and gave him Achash his daughter to wife. And it came to pass, as she came unto him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. To ask of her father a field. And she laid off her donkey, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing, and thou hast given me a south land, and given me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. And that's the sermon of itself the upper springs and the nether springs. What we want to just stop and say is this here that oftentimes possession comes by request. Ask and it shall be given thee. And as we often fall short of asking God for too little. There's a difference in being greedy. And design what God has for you and what God can give to you. And she came after they got some land that was given them. She said, and she asks for it and says, Bless, give me a blessing. Now there's much made of the prayer of Jabez in the gospel, the prosperity gospel thing. However, friends, the prayer of Jabez is a prayer. That you and I must learn in our lives. Apply it to our lives. And particularly this one. Give me a blessing. This is what how he prayed. Bless me indeed. And one reason we don't get is because we don't ask. That's what James tells us. And my belief is this. Until I can ask. For a blessing like Jabez did, I can't pray for you like I should. Bless me indeed. Unless I can want I, that I want God to bless me. Let's say bless my soul. God make me better, make me more spiritual, whatever you want to think. And you ask God for that. Friends, I don't believe you could pray for somebody with that. Uh, intensity until you desire that for yourself. It's not selfish. It's sensible. But how could I really be a true supplicator on your behalf unless I know and experience what I'm asking for for you? That's why particularly those of us who preach and teach spiritually speaking must always try to be a step ahead of those whom we are trying to lead because if you're not a step ahead of them you can't lead them if you walk beside them you might be in trouble I learned this principle some years ago and helped me as a pastor a psalm we knew very well all of us know well but it became the pastoral teaching for my life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside still waters. He leadeth me. And unless we can lead people to the right places, then we're not the shepherds we ought to be. And in order for them for me to lead them, I have got to know the way. I've got to pass that way before. So there are some principles. Bless me indeed. God help me. So that I can help those. Maybe you've heard the story. And it comes. About from the. Psalm 23. About these tourists who went to. uh, Israel. And. uh, Flock of sheep. They heard. They saw this flock of sheep. And in front of the sheep. Were some shepherds. And the tourist guide said to the tourists, said, you know, in Israel, the shepherd always leads the sheep. The sheep always follows the shepherd. So some days afterwards, they went somewhere else and they heard this flock of sheep crying, meh, meh, meh. And they looked and they were running and they saw no shepherd, no one in front of the sheep. After a while, a man passed with a big stick in his hand and was chasing the sheep. And they said to the tourist guide, we thought you said that the shepherd always leaves the sheep here in Israel. He says, yes, they do. You see, that man is not a shepherd. That man's a butcher. (laughs) He was chasing the sheep to the market. And lots of times we preachers, Instead of learning to lead people to the path of righteousness, we've tried to beat them there, to drive them there. We don't know where they're going because we've not gone there before. And we've got to learn to lead and ask God to help us. We call that under shepherds and learn from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when I first got, became pastor, I read in the Bible about sheep, how we were likened on to sheep. So I went and bought myself two little rams. I called one Dick and the other one Dora. And uh, I, I would get it one morning and I would take them out. Um, we lived in a place where I walked through and they could walk through the bushes and so on. I'd take my Bible out and read. and dick and dora would go wherever they went and, they and then suddenly i just wanted to see what the bible was saying about sheep all oh, like sheep of god's prayer I, w- I was going to deal with sheep in the church so i wanted to learn what god said about the real sheep the, and so i would watch those sheep and eating eating and, and for sure they're not knowing where they're going and then they would get lost in the bush and start to cry i can't whistle very good and still can't, but I could just really say and immediately I said that those sheep would get a lot from the bush, bush, bush. and I learned a lot through them and they got older until Dick killed himself not because Dora gave him trouble but she was foolish you tie a sheep and he would hang himself And the sheep, I got, I tied it to a tree, and the sheep would go around the tree. And instead, the sheep would never think about going back this way. You tie a goat, and a goat will do that. a sheep, it pulls more and more till it hangs. It go and go, go, right, right, wrong, right, and it will hang himself. And Dick hang himself. And I had to sell Dora because every night, Dick. Uh, Dora missed it and every night all through the night she'll be crying 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 and I can't take that crying anymore so i had to get rid of her <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I tried to learn
0: from the sheep how to pass. it took me a long while as I you want know, to understand the principle of the people and I'm still learning to be the shepherd that God wants me to be but one thing I'm learning this is this if you're to be the shepherd you have to ask God. Make request. Possessing and enjoying the land to be victorious also comes by asking God. Bless me, indeed, God. Bless me, indeed. And you know the rest of the prayer. Keep me from evil and enlarge on my coast. Possession of the land, dear friend, also comes by fighting. Chapter seventeen. Verses 14 to 18. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot, and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyself, as they are in the land of the Perizzites and of giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both there who are of Abshion and her and her tongues, and there who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua said unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Possession and enjoying often comes by fighting, by warfare, and in our case it's spiritual warfare, and the giants that we must drive out, out of our lives. You no, know, it says giants. Just now I said, you know, I wondered if there are some things in my life that I can't see that others see in my life. And the Lord in His in, in His sermon the monk says, you know, before you go and you take out the little chip of wood, little little piece of dust that is in your brother's eye, you first take out the big. Piece of plank. That's in your eye. And often times there are giants in our lives. That we are not aware of. That we need to get rid of. We want to be victorious. We want to go on. We want more land. And yet this one giant or two giants. Whether it be uh, the Anakims. Anakims are giants. You know the story about um, Goliath. When David had. He went. Said, you men took it five, five stones to kill one giant. We learned later on that there were four other brothers of Goliath. And so when we get rid of Goliath in our lives, we feel that we have won. But there's more land to possess. And we must use the other pebbles in our lives, as it were, to get rid of the rest of the giants. Make this a prayer. God, please show me the giants in my life. Or make it a prayer like this found in Psalm uh, number nineteen. Make it a habitual psalm to pray, uh, these words, and not in a ritualistic manner, but in a very personal uh, compassionate manner of of feeling, of knowledge in your soul. Verse twelve of verse uh, of Psalm nineteen. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. It says none of us know really can understand the things that are wrong in us. And so our prayer must be cleanse thou me from secret faults. And then this one. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. Let that be a prayer. Constant prayer of your life. To get rid of the giants. That others see. And that you might not see. But you must fight. is a warfare. And sometimes These giants. Are what we might consider small, but to God they're big in our lives. Well, we don't see them like the cardinal sins, and there's some little things that we think that God's speaking to us about, and in God's eyes, they're giants because they're keeping us back from moving on to higher ground. pride self see this ego of ours hmm sometimes I wish I was naive and things that our souls dwell on that no one could see no one knows about Cleanse thou me from secret faults. And keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins, whatever that is. In other words, be aware that it is possible for any one of us, at any age, to commit some type of heinous, presumptuous sins. Every now and then I say to myself, I'm so glad I'm in my 70s and I'm getting old. When I hear about some preacher who's fallen sexually, fallen in immorality, I feel a little safer because of my age, for more than one reason. This may sound humorous, but this why I say, <laughs> I don't think anybody wants me anyhow. <laughs> But you Never know. Some women foolish, <laughs> and they see something that nobody else sees. I mean, some women come and told me, "I love your hair." They call it. They call it um, black pepper. We call it salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Um, salt white, and pepper black. So they're like, I would like to get my hair done like that. No? Well, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm on a little safer ground now than before. Hey! Never feel you are beyond that. I've seen some men, and I know some men who fall in their old age. It's hard to understand that. Typical. Presumptuous sin, Lord, keep me back from presumptuous sin. Because if you do, you're not going to possess that land. You're not going to enjoy it. Let me just leave with you very quickly. Some preventatives, some things that will prevent you from enjoying, from being victorious, from getting that inheritance. Number one is compromise, chapter 16, verse 10, and chapter 17, verse 13. I'm not going to, for sake of time, uh, read all this, but just to set the principles here. Verse 10 And they drove not out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. And because they did not drive them out, they compromised with them, they did not enjoy the full inheritance. They should have driven them out. There's a lot that can be said about compromise. But let's look at the other principle incapability. Chapter 15, verses 63. And the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the children of Judah, could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah. At Jerusalem, unto this day, they were incapable. Why? Because they went in their own strength. Judah could not drive them out. Manasseh—it tells us in chapter 17—Manasseh could not drive out the Canaanites. Why were they incapable? It was God's command, and that they drive them out. But they softened up with them, and they did not do what God wanted them to do. What a sad confession and commentary. What made them incapable of it, of enjoying total possession of the land, was a lack of desire to drive them out. A lack of faith in the possibility of doing so. They say our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think what caused the compromise disobedience did that and lack of proper preparation in battle all these we just give that as far as we're concerned this is it lack of proper preparation in battle not putting on the whole armor of god ephesians chapter 6 and not abiding in christ john chapter 15 and verse 5 How sad it is that one sin or the other plagues the child of God and makes him incapable of victory. Third, preventative, found in chapter 18 and verse 3. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you inertia? How long are you slack to go and possess the land? There are various meanings of the word slack here. He'll give you an explanation, this third preventative of enjoying the total possession of the land. The word means slothful, lazy, idle, indolent. And there are verses found in the book of Proverbs for that, a lack of interest. And they thought we are okay now. They
1: had land
0: there. There were greater blessings to them. But they were satisfied to remain at that one mountain. They did not push out their boat into the deep. It was okay to stand in shallow ground. How sad it is for so many. So many, many, many. I would say good men, when it comes to the word of God, laziness, inertia, stops them from digging into God's word. It takes time. It's hard. But it can be enjoyable. And so they stay on the surface. If you present to them a possible truth, they just write it off as heresy. They don't have time to go and search. And laziness stops them from enjoying the blessings of knowing the deeper riches of God's word. And the blessings that comes out of that. This is excited to take a rest. It's alright sometimes to take a rest. It's very important to get under the Elam trees. In that oasis and find that rest. But taking a break from battle oftentimes leads ones in trouble. You know the story of David. It was a time for the kings to go to war. But David stood home. And that's when he got himself in trouble. This fight is never over dear friends. Don't be slack to go ahead and keep into the battle. When we slacken up we'll lose interest. And then we'll not get involved. Looking for the enemy. We'll ne- no, take no trouble looking for the enemy. The next meaning of the word is to fall short. To fail. To be found wanting. How often the reason we don't receive the blessing. And that we are not victorious. And we don't enjoy the possession. Is because we have fallen short of God's demands for our lives. How often we have found wanting. And God who would love to pour the blessing out but can't because we have failed Him and come up short. It's like the hymn, Showers of blessings, Mercy drops round us are falling, and we're satisfied with that. But the song says, Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. How often? Because the rain drizzles every day. We are satisfied with that. It keeps our ground wet. Bless me indeed. Lord, send the showers. The word in, um, slack there means to delay, to tarry, to defer. And it's found in Exodus chapter 22 and verse 9 and Deuteronomy 23 and other places. That same word to tarry, to defer, to put off. All these words imply a desire to do, but not yet. I'll get to it. Good intentions that never get us there and stops us and robs us from experiencing the victorious life to uh, possess that land. And many of us will fall short that day when we stand at the judgment. Because we felt comfortable enough with how we are, what we are doing. We know some truths. We understand some things about Scripture. We never seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus more. We never search our life, Search me of God and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because we think we don't gamble, we don't live in immorality, we don't steal and all the other things. So we don't deep down in our souls seek out for those things in our lives. We fail and come short of this thing, God will call. I'd like to challenge you, don't be slapped this morning. Don't put it off. Or oh, today, this conference, may it, Uh, the things that you've heard from every preacher, from every testimony, from every encouragement, a cause in your soul to swell up with an overwhelming feeling, God help me, that I might forget the things that are behind and I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh that we might be able, that when the Lord said, one thing thou lackest, what lack I? Go sell all that you have and give it away. Come follow me. A lot of us preach against that young man. I don't know how many of us would do what the Lord said. But that's the place He wants us to come to in our lives. And if we want that prize, if we think that prize is wonderful, the glory that shall be revealed in us. There's one statement I like in the Talent parable is this. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. That's good. But the next part is one I love. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. Not joy, eh? I mean, I just there's certain things that bring joy in this world. Some of us are talking. time ago what's the greatest joy you have in this life that you've ever experienced come talk to me later (laughs) whatever that joy that greatest joy that you've experienced in that life entering into the joy of the Lord is multi multiplied times over millions greater than that Greatest joy that you could that you'll enjoy and serve. And is that possible? Mm, yes. Yeah. Enter thou in the joy of thy Lord. Listen, dear friend, don't you miss out on that. So, whatever it is in your life, uh, possess that land. The inheritance is there. Fight for it. Prayer for it. Work for it. Claim it by faith, it is mine. Till one day, when you stand before him, and you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now I've been ruler over many things. A few things, sorry. You thought you had done, I me. Mean, you know, sometimes you think you do a lot of things. You thought it was a lot of fighting, you thought it was a lot of praying that you did. You thought it was a lot of this, and the Lord said, you know, just a little bit. But I can give you, you try, you did your best. You like You've been rule. you been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. May that be the experience of every one of us at this conference. What a shame! What a tragedy it would be that at that day you would not hear those words of commendation. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Take these words and. Awaken our souls. God. Drive us up. on. That we wouldn't slacken up. But even like Paul. In his old age. We would be still crying out. That I may know him. and the power of his resurrection. Because we have not yet attained. And that we would seek. To forget the things that are behind And press toward the mark for the praise of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed be thy name, both now and forever. Amen. amen. Thank you, God. Amen.